Welcome to the Film of Steins, the podcast where we discuss all things movies. Join us as we dive deep into the latest releases, revisit classic films, and explore the art of cinema. Whether you're a film fanatic or just love a good flick, we've got you covered. From Hollywood blockbusters to indie gems, we'll be breaking down the storytelling, cinematography, and everything in between. So grab some popcorn and sit back and get ready for some cinematic magic. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash filmsteins. We offer tiers at the $1, $5, and $20 level, where the $20 tier grants the ability to request films for future episodes. This is the Film of Steins, where movies are more than just entertainment, they're an experience. They're an experience all around you. Welcome to another glorious episode of the fastest growing podcast on the planet. Hello. Impressive. The Film of Steins. I'm joined today, as always, by my trauma friend. Traumatic? Am I your traumatic friend? Yeah, you are not. You don't cause trauma, but you are just I a walking case of trauma. <laughs> You're a basket case right. of trauma. I will take it proudly. Good. Be proud of who you are, as we learn from Flamin' Hot. <laughs> Don't listen to Eva Longoria and reduce your yourself to your people. You know, be proud of you. All right. Yeah. I'm proud of my anxiety-ridden, trauma-ridden. Yeah. Just self. work on it. Just work on yourself, though. Still. <laughs> you can be proud of yourself and still want to do better. You know. Ah. You don't need to stagnate yourself. Oh. Yeah. All right. So you know, you probably guessed from the title of this episode. That we are covering the probably the most important movie of the year, Ari Aster's new film *Bo Is Afraid*. Definitely my most anticipated movie of the year. Yeah, I know. I've been waiting for this for a while. It took a while to sneak out of theater and get to a place where I can watch it illegally. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm. Can we say that? <laughs> of course, we can say that. All right. <laughs> The film of Steins, where we watch stuff illegally. Death to the cinema. <laughs> I was nervous to watch this because I didn't love Midsummer. I love Hereditary. Midsummer was pretty good. Eh. I, I liked it a lot the first time. The second time, not as much. And I think the third time, I liked it a little bit more. But it just, I want to. It's one of these films I want to like more than I do. But I do like it. I like I like Florence Pugh's performance, and I like. Just the cult, the Swedish cult. <laughs> it's all it is, I guess. And it's disturbing because cults disturb me. Religion disturbs me. You know, these dogmatic set of beliefs and trains of thoughts disturb me. And I like seeing that on screen, especially when you have old people jumping off a cliff. That's very cool. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> maybe maybe I should rewatch that It's movie. a great movie. It's not on the level as hereditary or as you will come... You will soon hear Bo's Afraid. Bo's Afraid is on its own level. It's in between. I Hereditary, I like more still. Yeah. But Bo's Afraid is awesome. Probably my favorite movie of the year. What are your high-level thoughts, man? Well, since it was your most anticipated movie of the year, I knew it was going to be weird. And then saw that it was a A24 film so I, I I was getting ready to be kind of not disappointed but just like you know bay eye roll you know 
because you like weird movies and sometimes they hit and sometimes they don't hit you know like a ghost story did not hit weird ass movie i don't even think that movie is that weird <laughs> too weird and what was it mid midsummer midsummer whatever yeah movie. midsummer yeah yeah um i th- i think i should rewatch that one because when we watched it i think the tv was smaller and i don't know i don't think i was wearing my glasses glasses help and while i watching wasn't movie. yeah i wasn't in movie watching mode so i yeah i'd forgotten about you know the older people jumping off the cliff so maybe maybe need, it deserves a rewatch but Bo's afraid i liked a lot more than i thought i was going to like it that's awesome because it's a it's a weird ass film that i like i mean it doesn't get much more surrealistic than this film. If if you go if you take this any further, it's going to become very art housey and just super colorful and basically impossible to really keep up with. But there's kind of an epic thing happening here. We have a through line with every scene and it's Bo's trying to get to his mom's funeral. Yeah. Which a lot of I don't know david lynch films they don't really have that through line like that because that's not the point but we have kind of a actual story shoved right down the middle of this super super surrealistic lord of the rings style epic which is it's cool i've never seen anything like it in my life yeah no i i i like that and i think it helps people like me who don't always appreciate that kind of weirdness that has you know for lack of better words no point it you know giving it a story definitely helps yeah it's because i mean it forces the question of creating art for art's sake versus creating art that has fucking meaning behind it yeah and it's i mean you know art is this mega buzzword that we've had to just live with for the last 100 years of commercial no commercially produced products like films and books and uh, music of course right but not all of that is art you know transformers is not art marvel was not art there it is <laughs> these mega you know scream is not art these even though you know just to kind of bring it back down <laughs> some of the moving parts within each of these movies can be kind of artistic, but none of these are a singular vision. I think that's kind of important to a piece of artwork. And it's it really gets it's really hard to analyze it through a true artistic lens when you have so many people working on a thing, which may you know, unlike, you know, paintings or some video games or books or ceramic things you know things that can are very intimate and require only an individual right right? those are obviously those come from a place and are not inherently art either if you're just creating art for art's sake i feel like there does need to be some kind of intention there something you're exploring something you're researching something you're trying to get across right but it you don't see a lot of super surrealistic stuff like this pay off in such a like in such a narrative you know way yeah i mean no uh, you don't tell me what happens in any of david lynch's movies that are not the elephant man (laughs) and the straight story Uh, 
that's where my mind was going to next i was like well there's that one there's no you that's why i don't like um a few of them because i don't i don't get it yeah there's artistic scenes there's some weird ass shit like spike in Eraserhead. that's weird but uh i can't really tell you what happened or who did what what was whose intentions were you know i can't i can't tell you that and that's an important point to take away from those movies because they are first and foremost experiential films right not every film is meant to be experienced like a david lynch film or a alejandro gonzalez is that his name that's that brazilian um yeah and then the Andre Tarskovsky, excuse me for my terrible Russian. (laughs) (laughs) Those films are a little more experiential than 99% of your normal films, which is nothing nothing wrong about that, right? Stanley Kubrick, maybe you could throw him in here, but I think Stanley Kubrick fits the more symbolic metaphorical bill that we're kind of seeing here. Uh, I think Stanley Kubrick taps less into... Well, I don't know. This might be just a very Stanley Kubrick film because it does tap into the human condition and society, which is very important to Stanley Kubrick's films. Yeah, but in this film, we're only seeing Bo's perspective, you know? We are, but... And so that is a super important point that you have to challenge through almost the entirety of the film. And then it's confirmed that Bo's perspective is a legitimate perspective when we meet his mom. (laughs) <laughs> you know what i mean yeah it's like holy shit because you know he he the movie starts with him living in a super dramatic version of what it is like to live in america <laughs> yeah and it's awesome in and the city just, in the city yeah in a, a crime-ridden ghetto-ass city where you think at any moment you could be stabbed robbed whatever weird raped. people doing weird ass shit yeah out your window it reminded me of new orleans minus the you know the instead of the street performances being performances and them trying to get money you're impressed and just attract a uh, a crowd the street performances were a naked guy fucking just stabbing the air and if you got too close he you were his victim his next victim it's like it's all it also reminds me of that episode in futurama i think it might be the very first episode of futurama where Fry gets in line. Fry's the redheaded character. Have you, are you familiar with Futurama? Um, I know who the red-haired, red-haired character is. But he's sort of... I don't know their names. Fry, so he wears the red jacket, right? He's kind of the dumbass of the crew and stuff. Sure. He uh, he gets in line for this phone booth, that or this booth that looks like a phone booth, right? And he finds out that it's a suicide box. You pay to, you know, to kill yourself, and it's just it's awesome. And it's kind of reminding me of that. And it's just, you know, kind of sort of dystopian, but also not. It's definitely making fun of a very particular thing. And it feels very, because of just how out of control it is, it feels like the things you hear about that happen in, you know, the random corners of America (laughs) with our gun violence and our crazy drug trafficking and whatever (laughs) kidnappings. Yeah, I just imagine, you know, those weird ass headlines you hear from Florida you know, mm-hmm. naked yeah. man stabs people Florida randomly. Florida man became and... a huge yes, meme. Yes, it did. And you could even 
Google your birthday and type in like, you know, your birthday Florida newspaper or Florida news <laughs> and you could see what kind of weird ass shit a weird man in Florida did on your birthday. <laughs> it's awesome. Yes. I mean it's it's scary, but it's 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 awesome that someone has it's not really has the balls, I guess, to make to depict that in such a way because it's not so overtly America. I feel like you can it it can it can just it could solely tap into that feeling of I'm afraid of crime, which we've all been which America specifically, but a lot of the world does face with, you know, the mass coverage of serial killers and stuff, you know, since the sixties and seventies. Mm-hmm. So it could tap into some of that and everything too, but uh, don't forget where ma- most of those killers are at <laughs> right here in the right USA. Here. <laughs> so I, I like that. Cause that, I loved, I loved that point. And I love that you bring that up because that is the first question you really have to ask yourself when you meet Bo. Because, you, you know, you see his timidness, his gentleness, his... Speaking of which, I just want to say at the top that Joaquin Phoenix's performance, surprise, surprise, is amazing. 10 Phenomenal. out of 10. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. He's the best actor to ever live. He's the best actor working. It's unfucking believable how good Joaquin Phoenix is. And I can't wait for the second Joker or whatever the fuck fuck else he's in. I hope there's another Ari Aster film with Joaquin Phoenix. I heard, read online at least, that they had a really simpatico relationship. They really bounced off each other super, super well. They'd even get mad at each other like they were like siblings and then they would meet they would they would make up and, you know, get the shit done. And so that sounds they sound like they might have a really artistically interesting relationship that i hope they continue to explore yeah i I hope they will you know there's some directors that definitely have their favorites and ari aster is just getting going so he has still has the chance to yeah no i mean joaquin phoenix did a phenomenal job i i didn't even know his voice could get that soft and vulnerable and just make me like when I would hear it, it would just make me like want to go hug him. You know, I don't, I don't get those feelings from a lot of actors. So I mean, I it was it was phenomenal, definitely best performance. Yeah, and I've it, seen in a while. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, best performance probably since Brendan Fraser. What do you say? I said the Joker. The Joker. I mean, yeah, of course. But I was gonna say Brendan Fraser's. Mm-hmm. performance in the whale yeah well you know he won his oscar and everything too for it but so i guess everyone a lot of people think so but rightfully so too though since i mean that's the only performance i can think of in the last 12 months that's on that level but when you yeah but what i was, what I was gonna say i guess is when the movie starts you're he's so he's such a radical character he lives in such a radical environment <laughs> But you are forced to think, you know, he has radical behavior in his timidness and stuff because he's like super submissive, right? You ha- you are forced to ask yourself, is this character trustworthy? Is he okay? Yeah. Yeah. Is he, can, am I seeing, am I seeing the real, the, am I seeing reality or am I seeing his distorted reality? Yeah, that took me a while to grasp because the the film starts really with him at the therapist office and you know something's going on there you're going to therapy for a reason not saying that therapy's 
only for people that have something majorly wrong with them but something's wrong with you you're trying to break through something you're trying to in a film it is yeah it's symbolic of that yeah 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 so something's wrong with this guy yeah and then we see him walking to his apartment and we see all these like weird things in the background on his way there um like i don't know what it was some sort of vendors out there or market maybe and there's people out there with guns and just people doing weird shit and you're like where does he live and you don't immediately think this is what Bo is seeing you think where's this guy at yeah and then he gets to his apartment and you're like where is he at where where is this place is this place a make-believe place is this place in america like where is this place and then it continues through the first act and you're like oh this is this is how he sees the world and it just gets instantly better when that fucking hits you but they do like exactly like what you're saying though they do such a good way to keep you to keep that challenged in your mind and that he wasn't acknowledging a lot of it and then he was he acknowledged the one guy who was gonna stab him or whatever but right before he <laughs> ran into it he's yeah. just like oh shit something okay he's acknowledging it for the first time you know and then we see it on the news and he he hears about the guy who's going into people's different people's different people's apartments and stabbing them when they're sleeping or whatever so he locks the door and stuff and and then and so it's like it's you're just constantly kind of tugging and pulling with him is this is this real yeah and it's awesome and it it take it it takes so long i mean it takes the whole movie to really confirm that yeah this is real that's that's true in the first act i was and like so okay it's, maybe it's exhausting sorry go ahead no you're good i was just gonna say it's exhausting yeah yeah keeping up with that like yeah in the first act you think it i guess yeah you think is this his perspective it is his perspective because how is this this crazy and then something happens and you're like, okay, this is not his perspective. This is real life. This is what's happening around him. And then some something else happens, you know, like when we get into the, uh, what are their names? Grace and Richard that save him after they hit him with the a car. And then you see Jeeves and you're like, wait a minute, is this guy real? What is this? Why are these people taking care of him? Why is he in an IV? Why does he have an IV in his arm? Like, what is happening? What? <laughs> yeah, they, they also, that couple helps confirm that it's real too because <laughs> I, I actually, when he first arrives, it's so like perfect and he's being cared for that you're like, it's kind of it's. I guess it's such a polarizing move going from his crime-ridden street to this suburban rich household that it's hard to. It's it's just it's it continues to challenge. Is there, is this what the fuck is ha- actually happening? Then we meet the daughter. She's crazy. It's like, but how crazy is she? All daughters are crazy. All teenagers are crazy, right? And then we get that punctuated with her drinking paint. It's like okay and then the but then it's you know we get another level of confirmation where the mom freaks out it actually you know it's happening and she she freaks the fuck out you know and we we because you think for a brief second is she gonna understand Bo? yeah you know what i mean yes she because she's been so empathetic to Bo, and she's even got she's even like 
she starts to form this weird whispery relationship to him that you're like, where, what is, why is she whispering to him? What is she, she left a note saying, you know, stop acute, stop um, incriminating yourself. Yeah. Something like that. Like what? And then she gives him the remote to watch himself on the TV. Yeah. I want to, before we get too way, too far away from that, I like that Ari Aster, he likes telling you what's going to happen in the movie before it happens he did that he does that twice in this once with the tv and then the second with them in the forest when the play he tells you he almost tells you the entire story of what's happening i i got the one with the tv i didn't get the one with the forest maybe if you say it i'll be like oh yeah i did think that but before we get even further further the most important i guess it's not important the most the biggest of those examples of is this real or not is is his mother dead did that really happen because you have this amazon ups delivery guy telling him his mom is dead and that he just randomly answered the phone while he was delivering this package because no one answered the door and that he doesn't see a head and there's a chandelier on the ground like what and then the lawyer calls to tell him that he wasn't at the funeral and that his mom's like dying wish was for him to be there or was it to not start without Bo there or something her that was her dying wish to not start the funeral without Bo there or something you're and that gets kind of confirmed like oh, wait, his mom is dead and you know that keeps happening yeah and then if you got it or i'm not sure if you even know because it's you know not a thing that we're really around but when people practice shiva you want to get the person buried and go through the funeral as soon as possible i think he said that okay yeah i think the lawyer said that yeah it's like i think you damn your body if yeah or your soul if you wait too long which is hilarious <laughs> gotta get him in the ground no so if this movie doesn't win for win some stuff for everything first of all but production design is fucking off the chain in this movie what won last year at the oscars do you remember oh it was all quiet in the western front that's right yeah yeah this is definitely on that level that's the first thing that stuck out to me in this movie i mean of course because the first act is just ridiculous on the spectacle level of (laughs) how the streets put together and stuff and all these homeless and killers and shit people walking around yeah that's uh, so fucking crazy. And th- when they get into his apartment. That was awesome. That was awesome. That was awesome. This movie, this is probably the best movie I've ever seen. Or I should say the most effective movie I've ever seen when it comes to instilling some kind of like artificial anxiety in you. Yeah. <laughs> and that has everything to do with, you know, the editing, of course, right? And the performance. But when he's in the fucking convenience store trying to get water from taking this pill that he was supposed to take with water that he and he his fucking water was out or something didn't have any water bottles and then of course when he googles what happens when you take the pill without water you're gonna die you're gonna die it's the first thing that pops up and it's the first thing he focuses on and stuff at least and which just that particular point when he looks that up harkens back to can I trust this guy because everyone 
thinks the you know when they look something up they think the worst thing is gonna happen you know the wor- whatever the worst symptom is that's fucking happening right now you know whatever the side effects are gonna be that the worst ones are gonna happen that's everyone yeah. right and so that that challenge you challenges you even further constantly man there's so many things in this movie that do this that I can I trust this guy you know yeah it's and- so awesome so but he goes across the street. It's just so, it's so fucking good. There's so many, so many fucking good scenes. He takes the pill. He's trying to get the water. He looks out the window, sees the guy bringing in the water into the convenience store. And he's looking around. All the fucking criminals, right? All the killers. He's like freaking out. Like, oh my God, how much, you know, what time, how much time do I have and shit? And then he runs out there. He runs to the front of the building. His card gets declined. Don't forget that. Yeah. yeah. And he has to find cash and coins and. It's so good. It's so good. He puts a phone book in between the door and like where it shuts so he can just run right back in so he didn't put the code in or anything, I guess. And he, yeah, his car gets declined. He goes to the convenience store. His car gets declined. And he tries to pay with cash, with coins, right? And the the clerk is just fucking being weird. Man. He's not taking, he wants exact change or something. I don't know. He's like, I'm going to call the cops. And Bo's just like, what the fuck? Why? He's like, hold on. Give like, me a second. Give, take, just take the coins and stuff. And then at the same time, one after another, one homeless person, three homeless people, five homeless people, 10 homeless people, 20 homeless people were all walking in the hotel and they're all looking at Bo as they do it. I know. And then the final homeless person, as Bo's trying to run to the, the lobby door, pulls out the fucking phone book and he can't get in because I guess he doesn't have the code. He, he, he's trying to reach the manager, the, the, the landlord or whatever, and he's yeah. not letting him in and he sleeps outside. God damn. Yeah. And then what is that? Six, seven minutes? <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. It's so crazy. It's, it, has such, it does such a good job building up this character, I guess, first and foremost. But that first act does such an excellent job setting up i guess i don't I, it's hard to say a roller coaster of a film it is a roller coaster of a film but you all you never you never go low enough to fucking have any relief you know <laughs> you're going up and down up and down and then you're still like as you go up you're going up a little, up a little further than last time you go down oh no you're going back up you're not you know you know you never get like this plateau or anything man it's just constant i don't know man it's 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 hard i guess it's i don't know I don't know if I feel anything other than being just totally exhausted by this film. Probably an hour in it, an hour in, I'm exhausted and having, or and at that point having a hard time. I, mean, I guess just having a hard time keeping up with Bo. You know, I'm keep I can keep up with the story fine and everything, whatever. But 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 Bo drags you along, you know. <laughs> yeah, I love that um, Ari Aster. I forgot his name there for a second. Played with a lot of these funny but true anxiety uh bits i love them so much you know leaving your key on the door for a split second to run inside or go get something and then it's gone holy shit and then his luggage is gone and now there's a whole party inside his house or um you know great example probably my second favorite example the water he took his medicine without water now you're gonna die and now you're googling your symptoms and you're like i have a headache what is wrong with me oh you have probably a brain tumor or an aneurysm like pick pick your poison 
or when um you know he's outside he's naked and the police is like pointing the gun at him and he's like no don't shoot me and the police is like stay still and he's like do this i am still and he's just shaking and i'm scared of being in a situation where police is pointing a gun at me and i'm being still and they're like yelling at me to be still and you you don't know what to do because you're obviously still but they're there with the gun and they're the authority and there's so many great examples and I'm, I'm gonna ask you if there's one you can relate to but the one i relate to the most and it's i think my favorite scene in the whole film is when he's taking a bath and he he looks around the room this is after there were crazy ball of people in there yeah, they're, and they're all a big gone. homeless party yeah the homeless party they're all gone he looked i saw him he looked i looked with him around the room yeah they destroyed the house they destroyed the apartment yeah he turns on the water because he's gonna take a bath after he finds out his mom's dead lays in the bathtub to hopefully calm down looks up and there is a man hanging on the ceiling like crying yes (laughs) and i that's and i loved it so much and that is probably one of my biggest anxieties i go in a room and i'm gonna look around in my own home i'm gonna look at the ceiling i don't know what i do if i ever find a person anywhere that shouldn't be there but that is one of like one of my biggest anxieties and i love that he put that in the film and what is he doing there how is he holding on how do they even film that there's a spider crawling on him. A brown recluse. A brown recluse. And Bo's in the tub. Naked. Naked. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. It was awesome. When he first got in the tub, got into, when he first got in the water, laid down, I noticed a couple drips coming from <gasps> you did? the ceiling. And I was like, that's weird. Oh, <laughs> my God. That's all. I, I was just like, that's, I guess he has a leak or something. I saw like two or three drop. And then... Not, but probably 60 seconds later, he Bo looks up, yeah, and we see the guy up there. And he's crying or sweating. It's, like, fucking weird. It's yes. just so weird. And it's, it is such a great climax to the first act that gets, gets the, gets Bo moving, really, you know. Yeah, into, that's how he ends it. up naked on the street yeah. with a police officer that's about to point him. how he gets hit, hit by the car. That's how he gets taken to Roger. That's his name, right? Roger and Grace, yeah. Roger, you said Richard. I said Richard. Yeah, Wait. I was thinking. I wrote it down. Roger, Roger. Roger. You said Richard earlier. I was like, "Is that right, Roger?" It just popped in my head. R word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's it. Gets <laughs> that naked man being not naked man. He wasn't naked, but him being attached to the ceiling, ninja style. Oh my god! It almost, was awesome. almost like you know, horror movie possession style attached to the ceiling and he's like sweating and crying and the camera's going back and forth real close to their face cutting and stuff and he fucking falls on him and they're in the pool there's a few lynchian kind of bits in there and this is one of this one might be the first one i'd have to i'd probably have to rewatch the film and really write them down but they swirl around in the pool probably for a whole (laughs) or not the pool and the bathtub for a whole minute probably and i'm just thinking i am i'm just in shock I'm just in fucking shock. And then, of course, I'm thinking, is Joaquin Phoenix actually naked? <laughs> and this, I was like, this is crazy. <laughs> it's like, this. Is- I'm sure he is. I, I, I'd be willing to bet, yeah, Joaquin Phoenix is naked in every naked scene. 
He's actually naked. I'd be willing to bet. He's a pro. Yeah. It's unbelievable. The whole the it's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I I I love them, and it's not just in the first act that they play with a lot of these, you know, anxiety scenes for lack, you know, for whatever you want to call them. Another one I liked was when um, Tony, the the daughter, was taking him, was supposedly taking him to his mom's, and it's her driving, and then her best friend is in the passenger seat, and they're gonna, you know, drive Bo to his mom's house. And then they offer him, I'm assuming some weed, right? I don't know if they said it, but they're they're offering him, some, him something to smoke. And he's like, no, I'm fine. They're like, take it. I'm fine. Take it. They pressure him into taking it. And then they film him. And I, I don't want to be filmed when I'm doing something I don't want to do, you know? I'm sure there's a lot of people that can relate to that. Yeah. You don't want to be filmed by two teenagers. You know, now being older, I, I don't want to be filmed by teenagers yeah. <laughs> doing weird shit. So I, I love that they keep going with with those kinds of things. It's pretty it's pretty awesome. I love I love it. Did you have one that speaks to you or relates or you feel like you could relate to? Or maybe just one that was really weird or bizarre. Well, my favorite was definitely when his mom was, you know, telling him that he's never loved her in the way she wants to be loved and that she spun all of these scenarios that happened to him in her favor to prove that Bo doesn't love her mm-hmm. and that then to prove that Bo's going to do any, everything he can to inconvenience his mom basically even even up to her death even up to and past her death <laughs> I liked that a lot. I liked that. That was my favorite. Uh, Relate-wise, I mean, I think, I don't know, I can, this movie taps into such a, you know, modernity that I can relate to every inch of it. <laughs> yeah. You know, not yes. to the extremity that it's gone, obviously, but it's... I can for some of them, for <laughs> sure. It's so, it taps into every anxiety you could possibly imagine. <laughs> Other than, I don't know, stage fright, you know? That's true. (laughs) Public speaking. It's so, it's insane. This movie is underappreciated. I definitely agree. It's underappreciated. And I, I like that you bring up that point about the mom, because that's also something a lot of people can relate to having a narcissistic mother. Or just people in their lives. And. Yeah, or yeah, or people in your lives, but definitely mothers. And it's funny you say that because I, you know, feel like my mom can be narcissistic. So hearing her make those points kind of made me believe her. And I'm like, wait, no, she's wrong. But she says them and I'm like, oh, how ungrateful he's, you know, doing these things and his mom's there. By the time that happens, we have confirmed that what Bo's experiencing is what he's experienced. Is we know what it's the reality of the situation. At least the actions are right. We know that Bo's keys just disappeared. His luggage just disappeared, right? But how convenient his mom says, you know, that all these things disappear. But how convenient that Roger isn't going to take you and stuff. And we we were there the whole time, you know. And that's it is it. It retroactively kind of taps into 
being accused of something that you just didn't <laughs> do, you know, and that's everyone's, what's well, one of everyone's biggest fears, you know, that's... especially growing up probably. I used to, I don't know where that starts. I used to really have that in me where it actually was almost the inverse where I, I didn't want it to happen, of course, but I was ready. I always felt like I was ready to defend yourself, to defend myself. <laughs> so it was kind of tapping into that on that level. Cause I was so, I wasn't, I just wasn't going to have that. That's hilarious. I was ready to be blamed. <laughs> I was ready to not be blamed, probably to the point, I didn't, I didn't do very many bad things, but I was probably to the point to defend even the bad things, you know, I was like, I'm not, didn't do that, obviously, (laughs) because of this, this, and this, this is my alibi, go check, and then I, then I set it up, and I'm good. Oh my gosh, that's funny. You know, a big theme here, having the narcissistic, manipulating mother, and one of the biggest reveals which also feels so intrusive so just making the hair the you know your hairs on your arms just on your neck whatever the saying is just stand up is when you find out that the mom and the therapist are in cahoots and that's you know add that to the list of somebody's biggest fear that you have a therapist who you tell all your secrets to you know your 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 thoughts your most vulnerable thoughts that you don't share with anybody you know because they get some of those out of you and you don't want to but they do and now they have this information so now your mom who's not the best person here has this information and it's recorded and it's being played back to you it's recorded everywhere she's she's got footage from you in every corner of where you've ever been it's kind of like an weird inverted form of gaslighting oh my god you know what i'm saying yeah like you 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 thought you were safe you're telling your secrets right but in fact your best your mom and your therapist are best friends yes because she's even like which one should I play or whatever she says? Or yeah. which one's my favorite? I can't pick or whatever she says. And the, th- the therapist is like, oh, how about, you know, on August 3rd, blah, 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 or whatever the date was. And then she starts playing him talking about the dream that he had. And you're just sitting there like, what? Can they even do that? Can she do this? It's awesome. Because I also had like a weird preconceived bias for the therapist because he was this real gentle person and ladybird he he was like um i guess a counselor and he helped the main character kind of figure out her way and so he but he just kind of he does really embrace this uh or emit this gentleness he does a really good job i guess at that the therapist counselor kind of thing mm-hmm. i just thought that was funny because he I, I felt extra safe with him and oh, then, no. And then he's got a, he's got a, a weird smile. He does. And so, and then he's, I think, I guess he's like, I guess he's an albino black guy. He's, he's very light skinned. He's got kind of a weird look to him mm-hmm. and stuff. And so like it, him smiling and him fucking lying basically. And it's just like, a, it's just the combination. And then he's quiet when Bo walks away and stuff. Like he's not antagonistic. He's not, he's like real gentle still. And it's like, so 
It's eerie. It feels very oxymoron-y. <laughs> like, I shouldn't... Like, what is... I don't know where this is going. <laughs> Do I like him? Do I not like yeah. him? It's so... It's such a challenging point. Like, there's so many... You're constantly challenged in this film. But it's not challenging in the sense that it's hard to dislike. I mean, it's hard to like. It's very easy to like, I feel like, because it's so funny, actually. Yeah. And very relatable and outrageous and absurdist although the, the absurd stuff i think is you know starts to tap into maybe harder to like and enjoy and have fun um because i wouldn't did you have fun watching this movie i'm not sure if i had fun watching this movie i was exhausted watching this movie i had i had fun watching this film there were a few uh scenes maybe majority of the second act actually with uh richard and roger oh fuck <laughs> With Roger and Grace, Grace and yeah, then yeah. I guess would you consider the play the second part of the second act? Um, no, I wouldn't. I'd say there's four acts in this movie. Okay. Yeah. So and I guess the second and which is not uncommon for a three-hour movie to have four acts. Okay, so the second yeah. and I guess third act would yeah. be the play. Uh, those two, I don't want to say they were low for me, but they were a little bit harder for me to um have fun with but definitely the first act and the end were yeah. some of the funnest that i had uh, absolutely i like the beginning and the end the best although i did like the the play part quite a bit and that guy revealing himself or th- so both things as his dad yeah which is just weird it's so what was that? I don't even. I'm not even sure what that is. Is that is that Bo's dad and the the other one? The other dad we see later is an an an, an a like elephantitist penis that grew off of him and became sentient. Is that where things went? I'm not sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. For me, the I guess third act with the play in the forest was the least cohesive to the story, in my opinion. It was, I I didn't get it. I didn't get the point of the play. I didn't get the point of, um, you know, Bo becoming old and then having kids. And then he tells them he's never had sex before. And they're like, but wait, how are we your kids? And you're like, what? That That's true. But what is the point here? Then the thing with the dad. And then um, the like animation mix of the way they told it. It was, it was, it was, it was a lot for me there. Yeah, it was. I will say that section was, <laughs> I don't know how I can say this, but it was sensation overload. There was a lot of, there's, there's just, there was a lot happening. Even more so in a weird way than the first two acts. <laughs> the second act, not a lot is happening. And it's kind of our, our recovery time, just like Bose. Yeah, okay. And the, But the third act is, I think, a is probably the deepest cut at a societal kind of commentary. Because I think Ari Aster is making fun of, on some level, and being very real and vulnerable in that he's making fun of not a bad way the viewer empathizing and familiarizing themselves with what's happening on screen 
And Bo's doing that. Bo at this point is, I mean, he's obviously the audience surrogate, right? He is, he is our only character really, right? And Bo is now watching this play as we watch Bo watch the play. And now Bo is in the play. He's, you know, he's, he's empathizing and sympathizing on such a deep level that he's, he's literally immersed in the play that he, he sees himself in the play and he's basically in a trance. And I think Ari Aster is weirdly, masterfully, because I think the point of the him re- realizing that he, you know, he has kids in the play, right? But yeah. he's old, he has kids in the play. In the play, they're hugging him. And he's like, "Oh wait, I've never had sex. You guys aren't my kids." And it's awesome. The performance is awesome because they're all crying and stuff, and it's all fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, okay, you're like you're not. It's you're because at this point you're. It's it's so it's such a epic like a literal epic like Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and Never Ending Story where we we hit these big you know milestones in the movies or whatever or a corner how do you want to say it like you know like the the quests in the movies basically that it's it's hard to kind of but the, because of the content of the movie it's kind of hard to guess where things are going other than that Bo's objective is to go see his mother's funeral right so it's kind of we're getting, we're letting, and they play into this later in the movie that Bo's just kind of going with the flow. He's not making his own choices, right? He's just yeah. kind of, which is, it's so, it's so important. It's all so fucking important to one another, right? And, and that moment when he realizes, oh wait, I don't have kids. I can't, I've never even had sex. Those are those moments when you are, the immersion's broken in movies and video games, right? Because you. You all of a sudden can't empathize with that. And then they happen randomly, right? You when the immersion is broken and whatever you're talking about. And but in this particular example, we we see a you know, because you everything you experience in life, like when you're experiencing some kind of art or enter- entertainment movies, video games, music, maybe maybe less so music, but TV and things, things you spend a lot of time with, right? And you're knowing these characters. There's random things that take you out of it, right? There's random things that can make you hate the fucking movie, right? And I think he's on some level kind of poking at that with this particular section in a really meta way while at the same time telling the entire story through the play, Bo's story through the play because Bo's, you know, he's putting himself, he's literally putting himself. He's kind of, I guess, in in some angle, he's kind of, predicting what's about to happen you know yeah that's pretty fucking clever and you can kind of see that at the end the very very end where um, when he has that you know whole trial thing and the boat flips over and he's like drowning basically and then the audience just gets up and starts walking out all right it's over let's get out of here and then that 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 was very jarring which is also great that's great stop right there what is that that's like a coliseum right mm-hmm. what is a coliseum there's two things that coliseums used to offer us and that is a place to cast judgment mm-hmm. and a place to get entertainment from <gasps> so we're we're getting at the same time the jury um the the defense we're getting Bo's defense to his mother because he's, she's, because she's casting judgment. She is the judge, executioner. She is the offended, right? Mm-hmm. But she has 
but at the same time, she has her, her audience. You know, you have your audience in court too, but it's like you said, though, they, they take it that extra mile when, at, when Bo's boat flips over, everyone leaves like a movie theater. And then you have your leftovers who maybe are crying like her mother, like his mother in this. And, but I guess one thing I really liked about that scene that was from the, the funnier angle was Bo's defense, Bo's attorney. Oh, that you was You couldn't even funny. see him. He was just this little little thing over there, and it said, it said something like the defense's attorney or whatever, and like neon lights above him, and like cheap neon, you know, cheap lawyer lights and stuff. What you'd imagine would be on, you know, some criminal defense's lawyer's firm, right? <laughs> like their sign. Their sign outside, yeah, which is awesome. And he doesn't have a megaphone or anything. He doesn't have, he's not, <laughs> so he has to yell, and then his mom's attorney has you know he's got the floor and we we get real close to him we see them you know <laughs> it's awesome yeah that awesome. was awesome that and was of course that awesome. is kind of the major climax of Bo's story and that he uh was ready to accept you know what was about to happen it was kind of his one it was kind of his moment of his only moment of relaxation in the whole movie was seconds before he died did you catch that everything was being he was like you know like no i don't you know what yeah you know, and then he just kind of took a deep breath and, yep. All right, this is gonna happen. And then he slowly, very Lynchian, dies, gets drowned because his feet are glued to the boat and the boat flips over. And then at the same time, all that is happening. The boat's fucking blowing up. The engines like, you know, making crazy sounds and catching on fire and stuff. And you know, building the anxieties, of course. And it's it's awesome. It's awesome. Did you think he got away when he got in the boat? Yeah, I thought he did. And he didn't. With a mother like that, I wouldn't either. Yeah. Because that, uh, that transition was probably the biggest stretch. And in, in, I don't want to say grounded filmmaking because this movie's not grounded. But as far as like the world we were presented, him leaving his mother's house, getting into the boat, boating across some distance, and then just appearing in a darkened coliseum is a is a little bit of a stretch of the kind of the the geography of the world we've kind of been presented and stuff but yeah it also it's it's when you set up the structure of the movie we have the epic style lord of the rings style movie we have it it makes it totally excusable you know it's not even something you may notice the transition of where we are where we are just all of a sudden you know because he's on the most crime-ridden place on planet all of a sudden you know all of a sudden he is in a super nice place super nice mansion house or whatever and then all of a sudden he's at a fucking forest theater and all of a sudden he's at his mom's house is that immediately after yeah i think he hitches a ride yeah 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 (laughs) (laughs) but which is awesome too the hitching of the ride is awesome it's so quick and you're just like What's going to go wrong? <laughs> what were you going to say? I was going to say that we got a hint of, you know, the boat when he was at uh, Grace's and Roger's house. And she gave him the um, remote and he could see, you know, what was going to ca- happen in the future. So we got a hint there of what was going to happen, but I didn't think that was going to happen. I thought there was going to be a boat somewhere and someone was going to die, but I didn't think it was going to be Bo. And I mean, there's, there's like 
there's so much weird stuff that happens that you don't know like maybe what what the point of what the point was or what you want to like tap into what do you write when his friends go through the trash <laughs> hang on that might be in the movie <laughs> oh yes okay yeah i was i was gonna talk about all the other weird stuff that happens that it's just weird it's just weird things that happen in this film that i don't know what the the point is of them but they're just creepy and weird for example did he have a brother and she did lock him up in the attic yes and then she locked the dad up in there too and they both died up there they were up there well, the dad was turned into something. He was a penis. But was he? Mm-hmm. See, like what? Yeah, and then what the am old, I? What is this supposed to mean the here? The old guy next to him. That was his brother. That was his brother. Okay, he's been up there the whole time. That's, that he, that Bo thought. Did she feed him? Like, oh, that, see, that, that kind of stuff's not important. The feeding, not important. That's important to me. <laughs> I need to know. And then, um. You know, the mom faking her death. And Bo was just, like, cool with it. He was, he expected it. He saw it coming. Just another weird shit mom does. Like, what? Who fakes their own death? Which is funny, because I just read an article the other day about this guy that faked his own death in Belgium. And he was trying to, like, teach his family a lesson on, you know, because I, I, I think his, like, immediate family, like, his wife and his kids were in on it. But his extended family, like aunts, uncles, um, uh, brothers, sisters, maybe, um, they went to his funeral and everyone was crying. And then he like shows up in a helicopter and lands and like everybody's happy. He's alive. And he's like, yeah, that's why you should, you know, you guys should come see me. We shouldn't ignore each other. Like this big life lesson on appreciate your people. And, you know, people gave him shit about that, which you should and you shouldn't <laughs> you know so it's just weird it's weird who fakes their own death i guess people do fake their own death i don't know why is she doing that yeah we didn't get a lot of introspection when it came to that when it came to Bo thinking about that because we see his reaction you know of his mom dying being told by the ups man right he's, st- he's still for 24 hours man and then and I, at some point, he is he sees a picture on the news, I think, of her hands. And then he knows. He immediately knows then because he tells him. We find out later that he knew that was, like, his mom's. The housekeeper. The housekeeper. Or the babysitter or whatever. Yeah. That she's, she'd been there for, like, 45 years or something like that. And she, yeah. she volunteered because her, the mom offered her, I guess, generational money to her family and stuff at, this, at her, her sacrifice. After she volunteered. And he immediately knew. So we didn't see. We didn't really. Maybe we need to rewatch it. Maybe we. I thought he didn't find out until he was there. At the house. And he saw the hands across the casket. He knew when he watched the the news station. Yeah. Because I thought for a minute. I thought I just saw the body. Because what I thought was when he was watching the news station. There was a lady talking. And I thought he thought that that lady was his mom. Like, cause he knew her disguise or something like that, but he saw oh. he he saw the hands of that lady, the dead lady, 
the housekeeper and that's when he knew. So I think it was even before was it at it might have been at Roger and Grace's house, but I think it was even before he left. I think no, it may have been at Roger and Grace Roger and Grace's house. I can't remember when he was watching the T V, but he he saw it then. Okay. I thought his first time seeing it was when she was in the casket and her hands were um across her belly and he like they kinda zoomed in on the hand. And I saw the birthmark, but I didn't think much of it. I thought I was supposed to focus on the ring that she had on her hand. Yes, but, I think that's what I looked at. Too. But, uh, okay, I, I guess I wasn't paying a lot of attention during that. But we didn't get, yeah, we didn't get a good character shift happening there. So it's like, it's also, I wouldn't say that's what's very important about the film. Cause I think this film probably first and foremost is kind of a comedy. <laughs> Was it a comedy first and foremost? Yeah, I think it's an exaggerated perspective on how someone with Bo's problems sees the world. And that's very funny how he sees the world. It's hilarious. And you mentioning it's a comedy, I think it fits. Yeah, it's like a, it's a family dramedy, basically, first and foremost. It's comedy first and foremost just because of the absurd nature of it. I feel like absurdism has a hard time at least on in film having a super super serious mm-hmm. only like ex- exclusively super serious tone so i think it's inherently funny which i think you will find in existential literature i think it's kind of unavoidable to just not if you don't laugh you'll cry kind of thing so there's just a lot of laughter in existentialism yep and i guess i should say speaking of this this movie remind me of sartre's you know probably most famous book nausea where I thought we were, because I, I guess I also will say, just stick with me here. I didn't, this movie does not start off with mommy issues in the way that makes you think that's where it's going to land, especially because we think the mom's dead, you know? So we don't, the mommy issues are just not at the forefront of your mind completely, you know? It's just, you well, know what I'm saying? Kind of, kind of. And so, at What's at the forefront of my mind is Bo is disturbed by everything. And that is the crux of Sartre's Nausea book. And I thought we were leaning into, which we do a little bit, inevitably. I'm glad it's not just that. It would, it's definitely not just that. It couldn't be in a million years. Not You couldn't make a movie around that anyways. It's just a way to kind of embellish the a specific character and the, the comedic nature of it. But I lost that feeling by the time we got to the play, too, though. That was definitely, the first act was definitely the the crux of that feeling of him being afraid of everything. But also rightfully so. <laughs> but, you know, because I was having a hard time trusting the character. So I was like, is he just disturbed by everything? Or is everything disturbing? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's, you know, the sweet spot where super hyper existentialists live especially uh sartre's main character in nausea because he's just he's unsettled by the very mundane things in the world and so it's like it's a it's just another challenging interesting point because <laughs> there's no mundanity here <laughs> nothing in this movie's mundane you know so it's we we lose touch with the typical human condition in that way but we just are still dealing with the most extreme take on it too at the same time and so it's it's fucking it's cool this movie 
It's probably the most interesting movie I've ever seen in my life. Not my favorite movie. It's definitely probably up there now. It's probably my top 25. But this movie is deeply interesting from every single thing that happens in it. Maybe every shot. I agree. It's a very... This is the kind of movie you put on for your friends to test them to see if they're... To see how real and how much of a friend they are. (laughs) I don't think so. This is it. No. Because even... Even though it was good, it was still um, hard to watch for three hours. Three hours was a lot. It is a lot, yeah. And I think, I mean, I hate to defend that this in the same way that you defend every three-hour movie a lot of times is that the excessiveness is an important point. But I think the excessiveness in the sense that you're, you're so exhausted by the end is an important point because being anxious and afraid and unsettled by everything is exhausting yeah but i already experience that every day i don't want to sit through a three-hour movie <laughs> to experience that i know which just makes the theater scene that fun that much funnier god yeah, it's definitely an interesting movie it's definitely a weird movie but it's it you you have to watch it it's very different from a lot of things when before we watched it, I saw that it cost about thirty-five million to produce, so it's probably, probably upwards of sixty to eighty million dollars to make from beginning to end, with directors and with Ari Aster's pay and Joaquin Phoenix's pay and marketing and stuff, right? But this movie only made ten million dollars. Oh no! So this play that sucks. We're part of the problem, you know. Uh yeah, but um. Yeah, there's not enough of us to make up for that difference. <laughs> but I'm also at the same time not surprised this movie did not uh, make a lot of money because it's uh, it's a it's a weird movie. This is not a meme movie, you know. This is not a. But it's it's weird, but it's not that weird. Like you said in the beginning of the podcast or the episode, it's not Lynchian weird. There's funny elements there's a plot there's a point from a to b it's so relatable how do people not like this and it's 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 so extreme it it doesn't stop you know like a roller coaster you got your ups and downs but it it doesn't stop and you even said that you compared it to one so how how do you not like it i think people just don't I don't want to say they don't get it because it's not that hard to get. No. It's part of the, it's just another product of the human condition. We've all experienced it, you know? <laughs> if you're watching a movie, you're good to go, I think, for this. But a lot of the reviews I saw, people were confused. Oh, they were, oh, tell me about that. I didn't really read any reviews. Yeah. They were saying there's no logic to this film. What? <laughs> I think it's very logical. If you're talking about, you know, the weird-ass phallic dad in the attic, okay, yeah, that maybe that that one part is not very logical. I'm going to have to think about that a little bit more. But yeah, I mean, it's as logical as a never-ending story. They were confused, very confused. What's so confusing? It's really, yeah, it's, there's only, there's only, there's a, really bold through line here and then it gets (laughs) it gets a little more interesting uh story-wise and 
uh, dialogue-wise at the very end. You know, the last 25, 30 minutes are the only time you really, really need to focus on what people are saying, you know, and that's just, and you're going to, if you made it that far, I guess, because he's talking to his mother, who we thought were dead, was dead, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Or at least we were like, what the fuck is (laughs) up with the mom, you know, kind of thing. That's like the moment we're waiting for is something to do with his mom whether he's at the funeral and something's gonna happen something's obviously gonna happen based off of 90 percent of the rest of the movie right some shit's gonna happen yeah and then we didn't even talk about how his mom gets <laughs> revealed oh my gosh that's probably one of my favorite comedic parts in this film yeah and, and the, it's, it's so bizarre too it, it's so good that you don't even know if you can trust it because it's so weird i know it's like you know he he found out his mom's you know quote dead he's he's taking a nap chilling in her couch on her couch and then elaine walks in his childhood crush childhood sweetheart that they were gonna wait on each other forever then he hooks up with her on the mom's bed and while they're about to have sex she starts playing this Mariah Carey song, Always Be My Baby. And then Bo is terrified because if he, you know, has an orgasm, he will die based on what his mom told him his whole life. But it feels good, but I'm going to die. And he's just terrified. And he's, you know, mix of emotions here, I bet. And then he does and he's alive and he's thankful and he's probably one of the happiest people on earth he's so relieved he's so relieved literally and emotionally and he looks up and fucking elaine is dead she died and she just falls on the floor i think you know other parts made me maybe laugh or made me giggle or whatever but this part this scene made me laugh out loud i was like what just happened and then the mom comes out (laughs) It, it, it almost reminded me of like, you know that Black Mirror episode? I think it was called The Black Bear or something where the girl's going through like the woods and she's killing people or something and she's trying to s- escape, I guess. And then she walks into this like factory or something and then all of a sudden like the lights turn on and there's an audience and they start yes. clapping for her. It, it reminded me kind of that like, like it, it doesn't it doesn't get so, it doesn't take that turn but it feels like that for a split second you're just like is uh, what <laughs> what is going on and then you realize that it was all a fucking scheme to test bow and stuff but he knew the whole time but he, and he but he was trying to get there he was earnestly trying to get there you know he didn't know the whole time but he and he, and he was gonna go anyways you know yeah and so it's just like what do i, I, don't, I what do i do with this like and then you're on Bo's side, of course, because you were with him the whole time. You know the story. And then we, and then his mom accuses him of all this craziness. His mom becomes totally untrustworthy. I mean, they're both kind of untrustworthy throughout a lot of the movie, or at least it feels like Bo probably is. Maybe not. You kind of, it's a nice negotiate, negotiation that happens there. But the mom, I don't know, because like when they're on the cruise, see, she seems fucking normal for the most part. I think. The mom? Yeah. No way. No? Not to me. What, what I'm happened? getting major uh, Bates Motel vibes. 
when they're on the cruise. That's true, I guess, because especially when they're in the bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, who tells you about the night you were conceived? Oh yeah, you know that's true. Yeah, that doesn't. That's not normal. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's not normal. Not normal. That's awesome. But I love that they put in that Mariah Carey song, and I, I think I was reading somewhere, or maybe I I saw something where. Ari Aster didn't know if he was going to get the rights to play this, you know, uh, Mariah's okay. permission. Okay. So he said they tried over like 300 songs to pick out a song, but this is the song he wanted. So he wrote a letter to Mariah explaining the scene and like explaining why he wanted that particular song. And she gave him permission. And she, you know, told him that she really appreciated him writing her a letter and Gave him the go ahead, and I don't know. Like, I guess that's... I wonder what she thinks after seeing <laughs> it. I guess the song, you know, it's 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 funny in its own way because it's Mariah Carey, and then it's such a cheesy song. You know, it's it's just kind of cringe almost too, which feeds into that comedy. So I don't know. Like, you went over three hundred songs, and this was the perfect song. All right. I get it. I get it. Because it's kind of, it's, <laughs> I think it's in a funny way making fun of sex scenes in movies. Mm-hmm. Because sex scenes in movies and games, video games especially, are fucking terrible. They're so cringe. They're not, they're not effective in any way whatsoever. Just like, you know, a lot of violence is not, it's kind of in a similar way, not effective in the way directors and cinematographers think it is. But sex scenes especially, oh my god, you that's one of those things that you need to set up if you're gonna have it, if the movie if the story requires it or whatever, you need to set up and then you let the imagination take control of it. Mm-hmm. Cause otherwise it's just gonna be cringe. It's especially cause sex scenes a lot of times will last way too long. You're just like, why is this lasting long? And I yeah. feel like in some movies that is intentionally intentionally supposed to make you feel a little weird because I don't know. Because it's a funny thing. It just kind of is a funny thing, I think. And it's even funnier that she restarts the song. Yes. She's like, wait, hold on, hold on. Let me restart this. And that's how they... I feel like that's kind of... That's the uh, that's the setup. Man, the setup is when they're outside, I guess. Because he stands there for so long. And he's just like in disbelief, right? Looking at Elaine. They're really far mm-hmm. apart. The camera is kind of like in, in the middle of them. It's not really close to either of them. We're not getting any kind of intimacy there. And you're like, is she gonna? Is she like freaked? When it's hard to gauge what she's feeling from Bo. Yeah. And he's just real quiet, and he's like, he looks like a fucking bum, and it's just like, and it's, it's kind of <laughs> what? And it's Bo. Like we haven't gotten much. Yeah. No. Of we, that. We, no, side not of at him. all. <laughs> we haven't. We don't have that. We don't have that human side of Bo. We yeah. have this insanity this insanity man this catalyst for just things to happen to him and we know he's a fucking traumatic mess and stuff but we just we get this weird it starts it's that it's this first it's that first setup of cringe you know in a good way a good bit of cringe right Mm -hmm. here because it just is in tune with the rest of the movie for sure and then he kisses her and you're just like what (laughs) what is okay and then she's like all right let's go inside where's the bedroom And we're just like, okay, this is happening. And then you're just waiting. You're just waiting for something to go wrong. He's not getting laid, right? And then he gets laid. And you're like, 
okay. Or like, I guess they, she's like, you know, go get, go to the bathroom, get ready and stuff. And she's taking her clothes off and he is like in the bathroom. He's just like, I don't know if I can do this right. And yeah. He, you're out. like, he's not going to come out. Yeah. He's and then he comes out there. and he's got his clothes on and she's like, go take your fucking clothes off. And then he does. And you're like, and, and you're just like, oh, okay. when, when is it going to get bad? Like, when is he going to, when is he going to be like, all right, I can't do this. Or when is something fucking crazy going to happen? And he's, he's naked, he gets in bed, and you're just like, okay, I guess this is happening. And then the song's playing, and it's like the beat's already happening, and they're not quite there yet. And so she fucking resets it, and it's just like, god damn it, man. This is like, it's just, it's building up. It's like the most, it's the most interesting cringe I've ever seen in my fucking life, you know? Because most cringe is like secondhand embarrassment, right? For a, yeah. a lot of cringes. And then other cringes, like, bad cringe like it wasn't meant to be cringy but it turned out cringy yeah 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 like yeah oh. exactly it's hard to describe that isn't it? yeah but when you see it you fucking know it yes. it's like oh yes i gotta get out of here <laughs> <laughs> but this is like i don't know i don't because like the office is good cringe it, but it has nothing like it's just there's no similarities other than the absurdity the just the word absurdity is relevant to both of these the office and the bows and grace Hmm? and grace grace is in the office are you serious yeah oh she's uh michael scott's love interest oh that's funny that's funny you bring that up two things grace and and the the word absurdity (laughs) absurdity. because when i think of that's one that's why i think the office is, is so seminal to tv is just because of it's it's like tiptoeing right to the line of just unbearable cringe but it's just it's perfect i don't know how the office does that for it it's fan base right for its audience i'm not crazy about the office but i have to respect its pure dominance on sitcom or um tv whatever yeah i love syndicated tv Oh, I know. I know. So many people do. It's it's an, a super important... It's like Seinfeld. It's a super important film. I mean, um, series. Two, you know, two film. Just two things that are filmed. I, that's so funny. Grace is... Mm-hmm. That's weird. Small world. <laughs> <laughs> but And then the things are looking up. You know, he orgasms. He doesn't die. And you're like, oh my God, this just happened... And we had a happy ending, you know? It's like the mm-hmm. most effective sex scene I've ever seen in anything ever. And then it cuts to Elaine and she's fucking petrified, Harry Potter style. And <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. I, I, I don't know how you think of that. I don't know how you think of this. Like, I don't know how you think of any of this movie. This movie, some of this I get. Some of this I can totally empathize and see maybe even some of the things that Ari Aster's reading and stuff because this is actually one of Ari Aster's original brainchild before he made Hereditary. This was kind of in the works for many years, like the last 20 years. Okay, I was a bit, I, I don't know what I read and I was a bit confused about uh, some of the dates I saw and I was like, wait a minute, I thought this just came out this year. Yeah, there's a short okay. film called Bo. That explains it. Yeah. And so that I think maybe two thousand five or six or something oh, like that. Okay. And so that was like early, early Ariaster. That was you know. So you just had some time to flush this out. Yeah, this is obviously a very personal film to him. This is. Oh, and that's 
you saying that reminded me of one or not one some of the reviews that people were saying about how if he needs a therapist to let out his this movie is his therapy ladies and gentlemen yeah like this is how you fucking yeah, he, do it he doesn't need to do it in film he needs to go see a therapist and not you know put this his therapy on other people or whatever they were trying to say and i saw a few of those like oh he just needs to go to therapy it's like what you know how many people write books instead of going to therapy or alongside of therapy you know it's 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 a such a clever awesome way to express yourself and to be vulnerable yeah you're it reminds me you need to do something with your life and your there is this trend i think that has happened probably since the dawn of super hyper commercialism since the the 40s and 50s where there's this notion i don't know move back up you this is reminding me of this talk that david jaffe had with colin moriarty on sacred symbols Mm -hmm. about david jaffe defending the capabilities of ai and video games and how it can start to eliminate the the technical know-how of the game and then you can just completely focus on the creativity and that but going through that technical know-how involves a a deep negotiation with your you know own personal human condition at the core of that you're suffering because you know of course it's the the core of being self-aware is suffering and knowing you're going to die right but focusing on you you just you can't have one without the other you know you Ari Aster making this film is the perfect like synch- synchronization of mastering filmmaking and mastering himself you know this is you can't strip away like someone saying that they want to they he should just go to a therapist and unload this on them right you're you're missing you clearly don't understand the impact of art you're just used to this commercial nonsense that we have to deal with on a daily basis and then we have is the weeds of the artistic world right we are completely over encumbered with fucking saint augustine grass and poison ivy and shit you know we don't have these beautiful i don't know fucking cool plants that people like i'm not a plant person right but we (laughs) we're just constantly picking through the shit and we never clean it up you know we don't there's just no actual care in the world for this things like Marvel and things like Call of Duty and things like all this pop music on the radio and stuff. We don't, we don't, we don't focus on what the individual may have experienced to lead to this point. You know, there's no, there's no sense of history and what people care about, you know? Yeah. It's so important, you know, and this is a challenge. This is a thing that you, when, if you learn about any kind of art history, you learn about different artists facing themselves and people around them and having to deal with their issues and they produce really great things out of it right Mm -hmm. if they didn't have those issues if they dealt with those issues in a more um utopianistic utopian kind of way if they went to fucking therapy and had this like like a checklist five-step program to get better and stuff they wouldn't have made you know starry nights they wouldn't have made 
2001 A Space Odyssey, you know? They wouldn't have made fucking Stephen King. Can you fucking imagine how fucked up he is? Anyone who makes horror movies, like horror books at that clip, you know, he, I know he's, he's definitely sold out and tapped into what people, you know, he, he knows how to prey on his audience and I, you have to admire that, but at the core of what he has done and continues to do is something deeply probably disturbing, whether that's fueled by upbringing, his upbringing or drugs or whatever you know it doesn't fucking matter from our his perspective intrusive right thoughts yeah his intrusive thoughts but like you wouldn't have any of this how, you know if, uh, that is if you guess if you appreciate stephen king on a deep level you wouldn't have that but you'd only have i mean i can't give you any examples because but there's but you see it i don't know the new flash movie the new flash movie is not a brainchild it's this all right how are we going to make money off of this off of this demographic and you know, how many people need to work on it? What, who do we need to get to draw in these number of people? I mean, we, that's all about the butts in the, the seat, the butts in the seats at the end of the day for them. And that's what everything's going to come back to. How do we, which actors, what the production, what does the production need to be? What cheap director can we get? Do we still need Ben Affleck? I'm not sure. I think Michael Keegan. Whoa, or whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, no, but I, 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 I totally get it. Where's the rawness people still do on some level people i should say young people everyone knows someone like this when they're growing up that they they wish something bad would happen to them so they could have that influence to fucking do something you know oh my gosh that's like the emo kid's dream and you know i i I listen to dave ramsey i've been listening to him for a few years and the number one reason people start getting serious about their money, about their budgets, you know, paying off their debts, whatever, is when they have something bad happen to them. He calls it Murphy. He's always like, don't wait for Murphy to come to your door. You know, don't wait till you lose your job. Don't wait till you are, you know, filing for bankruptcy. Don't wait until your husband left you and you never had a job. Don't wait until you're 50 years old and you never open your 401k in your 30s or your 20s. You know, don't wait for these bad things to happen for you to make the next move. And so many people do. Everyone yeah. that calls on a show, yeah. you know, has this sad story. Yeah. My husband died with no life insurance. What do I do? I'm a stay-at-home mom. I don't have a resume. I don't have job experience. That's awful. But, you, you know, something's got to push you to get your shit together. Yeah. And you know, I'm drowning in debt. And some people are self aware enough or want to get into a specific field that they know it requires not necessarily catastrophic things to your lifestyle, but things on a deep level, things that change your lifestyle in some way to inspire you in that in a in a genius way. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 that's one of the great things about existentialists and just in general is they've tapped into something that everyone experiences. There's nothing special about existentialists and what they feel and how they go about their daily lives. They are just so disturbed and paralyzed by how the world operates. Not in a, not in a political or economic way, but just how we operate with everything we we cut down trees to make beds out of them so we can sleep in them 
We sleep in trees. You know, we cut out sides of mountains to dig up, you know, certain precious metals to to trade, to like to represent like this concept of money. You know, like we we tear up the natural world to for our own satisfaction to you know for our own satisfaction yes but for our to to make our lives make sense you know we have to destroy and we have to we have to domesticate things like plants and animals to help sustain our materialistic kind of life you know and these these things you know are deeply disturbing to some existentialists and that's a you know I I guess in a way I'm saying Ari Aster is either really in touch with his past or he is a classic existentialist. It's one of the one of the two. Maybe a little bit of both. Yeah, it's kind of probably hard not to be a little bit of both if you are. They are kind of one and the same. One leads to the other. <laughs> yeah. If you cuz uh, an ex- at the core of every existentialist it is just a you know, an nth degree plus one sense of self and being aware of your place in the world. Not your place in a sense of your role, but just where you are at, literally, and how you how you are in the world. So does that make sense? I don't I don't like it when people say it's fun to say it jokingly if someone needs help, right? But if someone is exercising their their self care in a hyper you know a, a spotlight medium like movies. It might be one of those things that you just need to be self aware enough about that. Maybe this is one of those pieces of art that we should just all kind of hyper focus on in this moment. You know, because I guarantee you, in a hundred years, this movie's gonna be remembered. Yeah, and um, no Marvel movie will. The Super Mario Brothers movie won't be, you know, this is, I think this is, this movie is going down in history. Is that bold to say? That's really bold to say. I think Ari Aster just, I don't like this movie more than Hereditary, but I think it's more important than Hereditary. Because of course I have my own human condition and suffering to deal with and I am a little bit more inclined to like truly horrific things that just can't happen like hereditary Bo's afraid is taps into a reality we don't want to face you know on an exact you know on an exaggerated kind of way but hereditary is <laughs> a possession movie a demonic movie so it's a little bit different sort of it's kind of a family dramedy i'm a family drama tragic affair type thing First and foremost, which is what makes the movie great, but it's the demonic movie at the end of the day, not very real. Does it make sense? Did you catch that? Yeah, I'll cut that too, Will. Then you'll have a follow up to that. Yeah, it's that's okay. I it's I just okay. don't, you don't like. Have anything to say. What do you say? It's okay. You don't have anything to say. No, no, it was a lot. It was a lot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was a lot. I've been. I've. I when. David Jaffe said that in that podcast. It just knocked the wind out of my sails on a intellectual level because it just seems counterintuitive to me. It, it seems completely fucking wrong, to be honest, because I feel like you have to go through the hardship of learning a medium to 
exercise any true creativity on that medium. And I think that you can blow that up in any scenario. So. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think people Maybe I'm who... just too old, but... But people what? Yeah, sorry. Sorry, that was a lot. Yeah, but I think people who say those kinds of things don't know how to appreciate somebody else's world. And I, 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 I totally fucking get that, but I hate... I just don't want to say that because is it, is it snobby to say that? Like, you don't understand... Like, you just, you need to get good, you know, kind of thing. Or is that just the reality of it? I think that's just the reality of it. Yeah. I think people just need to become more self-aware. Come on. Come on. You know, you Come have people on. saying, oh, I wasted three hours of my life. Did you? You decided you wasted three hours of your life. You were probably on your phone the whole time. Probably. I don't know if you even... You wasted it on your phone. I don't even know if you saw the Did movie. you see the first act and were like, oh, this is crazy. I don't understand. I'm confused. And you were out. You were done. Yeah. I mean, I guess from a pure sensation standpoint, I don't know how that first, those first 30, 40 minutes don't fucking, that momentum doesn't just drive you I through know. the whole thing. Whether you get anything out of it or not. Jesus Christ. I know. I don't know, man. Like, Yeah. And some lady was saying how... um her husband was the one who made her go see this film and that she absolutely hated it. It was too long. It was confusing. And he's she's never going to watch any movie he ever recommends again. Okay. You know, I guess some people just want to let, you know, some anger out. They just want to vent. And I guess you're choosing a comment section to say these kinds of things i yeah. really hope you do let your husband pick another movie you know <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I hope you taste. don't take that yeah hope you don't take that to heart but if your husband wanted to see this you know maybe pay a little attention to it he's obviously interested in something like this maybe he thinks it's there's something there to be said so don't go shit on it immediately yeah that's i mean well said that's that sh- you should approach that with everything you can I know it's hard with some stuff, you know, but I don't know. Maybe a good example for like a guy from a guy's perspective is getting into or appreciating something like Downton Abbey. You know what I mean? Downton Abbey is probably one of the best produced and written shows on TV ever. And it's it's a it's a it's a borderline soap opery period piece. Does not at face value, it feels very feminine and girly, right? Wouldn't you say? I mean, yeah, I guess I don't really visualize men seeing Down Abbey. I would I, like to I, go to, to the theater, like during the movie when it came out. Or the were there two movies? I can't remember. The re- so. the one last year, I think, it was like called the New Era or whatever. Mm-hmm. I would have I, I even at the time I thought about it, we just didn't go. But I would have loved to go just to see the ratio between men and women and how overwhelming it probably was women i bet you it was um uh, i i went to the premiere of all the twilight movies oh yeah yeah. that might be a good example what is it all women all women i mean i think you know i was in seventh grade when the first one came out and i went with a group of my friends all girls you know and who took us the mom the mom went to take us the dad wasn't coming and then you know as the next once came out i went to see them with girlfriends or friends who are girls or you know girl family members majority girls yeah 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 and i but i but i 
But I challenge someone who thinks that way about Dallin Abbey and give it a fucking shot, man. Because you're going to be... You're... I mean, I didn't have that preconceived notion. I just kind of... I do have, you know, kind of feminine sensibilities. And when it comes to stuff like that, I do like period pieces because I like the production of a lot of them Mm because they're they're fucking cool. But that's just the first example that pops in my mind. But Dallin Abbey is... It's amazing. It's amazingly produced, amazingly written. It's just... It's an amazingly made show. It's probably one of the greatest shows of all time. Probably in top 50. I don't think there are very many great shows, to be fair. But So it's kind of, you know, it's that's kind of a loaded thing to say. But, but if you guys out there are listening to this, if you got this far in this podcast, you got to watch this film. I'm glad you liked it. I'm over being super surprised by the things you like because it's so all over the place you know i'm still like a little bit surprised i'm always gonna be a little bit surprised but i'm not like huh you know i'm not like okay you you like that you know i'm like okay yeah man like it's like almost not surprising that you would like it because you i wouldn't think you'd like it you know yeah that's kind of a funny thing and when we watched the trailer for this i did not like it don't even know what the trailer is about yeah i think part of the trailer was a bit animated and we saw some of the play stuff okay and yeah, I, yeah yeah it yeah may, okay i was like hey. it's a little misleading actually isn't it the super trailer. misleading yeah, yeah, i remember it now yeah that's interesting and i was like you're excited for this all right and all right. what i said earlier about the play that kind of makes that even funnier because now that we know what that's about it's kind of Oh my it's gosh, kind of making yeah. fun of you watching the trailer at that at, from the very beginning, you know, <laughs> which I think only reinforces what I'm saying is true. That you might be onto something there for sure. I think Ari Aster is the greatest filmmaker working right now, unless David Lynch comes back, of course. But <laughs> but I uh, I sincerely cannot wait for his next movie. And I hate that he, I love and hate, of course, right? I love, I hate that it's going to take probably another three years for his next film to come out because he's not a, can't do the Martin Scorsese thing and come out every year or two. I mean, if he comes out with the stuff he comes out with, I, I don't mind every three years, you know? Yeah, no, I don't either. I want it to be as, I want him to take as long as possible. And of course, COVID may have had some influence. The original title of this movie was called Disappointment Boulevard. That's right. I remember it had a different title. Yeah. Which I prefer Bo's Afraid for the title Bo's Afraid. But I don't love it. Don't love the title. I may have preferred the original title of the short film, Bo. Just Bo. Because uh, there's something kind of innocent and almost cartoonish about just that one word name. And almost autobiographical autobiographical you know or just biographical maybe in general and there's something really vulnerable i think i would have liked about just that but what do you say i do agree with you there that i think bo would have fit better but i like that they kept bo is afraid for these people out here that are so confused they give it to you in the fucking title he's afraid of everything he's got anxiety he's afraid He's afraid of his mom. He's just afraid. Shit's going all around him. He's afraid. So they even gave that to you. So, that, you know, okay. You know, if the title is there to spoon feed you, 
I'm I'm going to take it. I think after talking, we're about to wrap this up. I'm going to give you the rare example of this happening where I think Bo is afraid may have earned a little bit of a bump on my letterbox (gasps) in real time. Because I put it at a four (gasps) immediately. So I think I'm going to bump it up to a 4.5. I will say none of my fives start out as a five. So they, this they always might... they they start in the four four point five and I gotta think about them. There's I I think I've got like six or seven fives, like No Country for Old Men. That's that was probably my first five, and so this is in the runnings for sure, because it didn't it didn't it didn't stick, like, The Whale is four for me. Great amazing film, but it's it's landed right there because it just doesn't tap into. It doesn't happen to something that I need of a film, you know, to elevate it on that level. But but four, four point five, and fives are come extremely recommended. Pretty much virtually the same recommendation applies to those. But those fives and the four point fives are just so such personal, like films that just can just don't leave my mind. Yeah, I've been. Anxious to talk to you about this, this, this episode, but also, but anxious from the angle of not knowing how to talk about it and how to justify my feelings for it. So I hope I've done a good job. I think, I think we did. I think we both did a good job. I, I immediately gave it a 4.5. I, wow. I didn't need real life time. Yeah, I think the only reason it's not a five for me is the forest scene. But after talking to you about it, you know, it's it's clicking. I would definitely love to see it a second time with a new perspective. I definitely think this is the kind of movie that requires a second time. Like Hereditary, I think, is an essential movie that you watch by yourself. Lights off. Nope. You know. Nope. Headphones if you can. (laughs) Right. If in a singular time, if you can let it just sink in like that, I've watched Hereditary probably twenty five times because it's my it's my bedtime movie, and <laughs> so I've ruined that for me. But but Bo's Afraid is definitely a film that I feel like it's 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 kind of like the book Nausea, where you need to revisit it at different points in your life to I don't know remind yourself of. At the very least, of other people's suffering. At the very least. Yeah. Awesome film. And my mom's going to hate it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I no, can't, she can't, I can't hate wait. it. She's going to hate it. Maybe after listening to this episode, she won't hate it. I doubt She'll it. She'll love it. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you for watching this film with me. Thank I, you. You know, this was my second most anticipated movie ever after like s- starting this new initiative to watch more films the first one was one last year the northman robert eggers hey. which is which is awesome awesome film but not in this way it's it's a solid 4 for me it's not moving anywhere if anywhere it kisses that 3.5 area yeah that was like a 2 for me oh my god we got re- we should rewatch that i think you'd like that better here if you can understand it's true we did watch it at the movie theater and it was during a time where i was Kind of anxious about going to movie theaters. Yeah, I'm still anxious about going to movie theaters. Yeah. 
but I think Ari Aster is my favorite director. Whoa. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, David Lynch. But I think you have been nudged aside by the younger, shinier model. This episode is one for the records. Yeah. Just saying. You're never going to hear another four go into a 4.5. Maybe once a year or something. Lies. I don't know. There wasn't one last year. Hmm. RRR was an immediate 4.5, actually. I will say that, which is pretty rare, too. Yeah. I, I, um, I, I give out all the... I give out all the highs. You know, I, I just love and appreciate. You do, you do. And on a good level, on a, on a nice... On a good, such a deep, like, innocent and appreciative level you know you you're good with that you're not you're not a curmudgeon you know not often at least you can't be when it when shit's trash you know just when it's when it's unwatchable you you know you're you're honest about it too but that's it but that's it's you're i appreciate that about you thank you i can't i'm i love that you like this movie that's awesome that's awesome i like that yeah now we got a, hopefully Barbie is good. Oh, yeah. Hopefully Barbie's good. I'm, I'm, that's my next movie I'm looking forward to. I, I think that next movie that's coming out, I'm looking forward to. I think it, it is out. Wasn't it? Is it out today? The 21st? Maybe. it's Movies come out on Friday normally, I think. Of course, I want to see the new Spider-Man, but it's not essential. July 21st. Okay. Oh, July. It's June. Oh, July. Yeah. Oh, okay. 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 So we got a little while. Yeah, that's probably my next big one. And then after that, after that, I think Wonka, probably my next one, which is December. What about the Meg too? Oh uh, well, no, I'm looking forward to it, but not. I'm looking you know, forward to it. Barbie and Wonka are my the big ones that that are gonna fill, finish out the rest of the. I'm sure there's gonna be some sneakers. I might love the Meg too. If I love the Meg too, that's be awesome. I don't love the Meg one, but it's fun. You know, it's whatever, but. I'm glad I watched it and everything, but the Meg too. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely looking for. I want to see the new Transformers too. I wanna, I want to see the new Spider Man. I want to see the new Pixar movie. Oh yeah, Elemental. Elemental. Whatever. I want to see the new DreamWorks movie with the Kraken lady animated girl going to school or something. I don't know. I want to see that. This is a bunch. I can't. Uh, Oppenheimer. Uh, that movie looks awesome. The new Christopher Nolan movie. Not a big Christopher Nolan fan, but I um, his movies are something. <laughs> They're hard to watch sometimes. You gotta be in the mood for a Christopher Nolan film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go watch this. Go watch this film. Please go watch this film. If you already did and you think it's pure trash, watch it again. Yeah, it's three hours. Break it up in half if you need to. Watch it with some headphones. Put your phone on the charger. Let it, Don't get on it. You know, maybe watch this on the weekend or something. Put some headphones on if you can and just pay attention to everything. You know, just soak it in. Experience it. Just appreciate it. At least appreciate it on a performance level and a production level. At the very mm-hmm. least. That's it's so easy. And then a spectacle level too, because it's yeah. just nuts. It's you nuts. Know? It's so easy. I feel like to let the momentum of the early part of this movie carry you through. And it I think it pays off. I think I think the weirdest part is the big penis. It I need to think about that some more. That that might be if I can think through that, 
that that might elevate this movie to a five. I don't know. It might have that big of an impact. But that's such a small part that. But it might tie something. It it's... might tie something together though for me. Okay, yeah. It might tie something together. I'm talking about the people that didn't like it because oh, of know. that. I know it is, it is so small, and it and it's so it's a it's a funny fucking scene. It's yeah. like it's like holy shit, and then Jeeves comes in and fucking shoots it, and then gets stabbed in the fucking head by the penis that has prey mantis claws, and you're just like. Which is happened? And then Bo f- fucking falls down the el- the attic stairs and tells his mom. He just begs his mom for forgiveness, and then it's just it's insane. It's insane. I, yeah, I don't go watch it. I don't. I don't know. This movie. I think this movie does run the possibility of hitting a five for me. It's gonna probably take another week or two, but I you bet your ass it's simmering up there. Thanks for listening. Take care, guys. Goodbye. Till next time. And that's a wrap for today's episode of The Film of Steins. Thanks for tuning in and joining us on our cinematic journey. We hope you enjoyed our discussion and gained some new insights and perspectives on the world of movies. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform, especially Patreon at patreon.com slash And follow us on social media for more film-related content. We love hearing from our listeners, so if you have any feedback, suggestions, movie recommendations, or book recommendations, please feel free to reach out to us. Until next time, keep watching and keep loving the magic of movies. This is The Filmasteins signing off.